What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I realized this afresh today, less than an hour ago actually, as I was walking to seminary and I was almost hit by a car as I crossed the pedestrian crossing. And if providence was otherwise, I might not be right here right now to deliver this chapel message. A key part of Christian wisdom is a deep sensibility of our utter frailty, vanity, and insignificance apart from God, and our utter dependence on him. In Psalm 39, David prays for such wisdom. He says there, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. And in Psalm 90, we read that our days may come to 70 years or to 80 if our strength endures. And yet, it is soon cut off and we fly away. And then the psalmist in the same psalm asks God, so to teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Proverbs 27 verse 1 tells us, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And then 1 Peter 1 verse 24 and 25, citing Isaiah 40, reminds us that all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Or consider our Savior's parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. The rich fool thought that he could chill out and have a long life to enjoy his wealth and abundance. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. I could cite many other verses, but the point is simply that over and over again, we are reminded in Scripture that our lives, long as they may seem to us, are actually fleeting and momentary. Augustine famously said in his confessions that he does not know whether to call it a dying life or a living death. Even if the youngest among us in this room lives a very long life, none of us will be around by the end of the century. And I'm afraid to say um, that most of us will be long gone well before then. God knows exactly how many days you and I are going to live. The exact hour, minute, second, and millisecond our time will be up. Like a YouTube video or a song on Spotify, your life as a bar, a progress bar that is constantly on the move towards the end of your song. You may be only in the first verse, you don't know, or you may be rapidly approaching the final chord. But in any case, you and I are now a little closer to the end of our songs than we were when we walked in to chapel today. 
And even if an angel from heaven came to you and told you exactly that you would die in, on Tuesday, October the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2048, at 10.37 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, even if you knew exactly that, yet you'll still have no idea what will happen between now and then. All the hills and valleys and unexpected twists and turns that await you, that await on your path before you reach the end. I mean, each morning when you wake up, you don't even know what that day will have in store for you. You may have, have a vague idea. You may know you have class at 9 o'clock and you have a meeting with a friend at 3 p.m. But you have no idea how that class will go or how the meeting will go. Or if something will happen that day, this day, that will change your life radically. It will rattle you to your very core, disturb you and change change the trajectory of your life. So even when you seemingly know the future, basically what's lined up for the next day or two, you don't really know the future. We don't know, but God knows. He is eternal. Everything is present and fully laid out before him and his omniscience. He does not need to speculate about the future. And so we must guard against an attitude of presumption when it comes to the future. When we plan our lives with little reference to God and his will, as if our futures were in our own hands. Because this is nothing but pride or, as verse 16 has it, boastfulness and arrogance in the face of God. We shouldn't boast about tomorrow. Our boasting should be in the Lord who holds tomorrow in his hands. And by the way, this is not merely a warning to unbelievers out there in the world who wheel and deal and scheme and maneuver their lives without any reference to God and his providence. Be warned, remember to whom James is writing, Christian believers. Be warned, even theological students, even people like us who theoretically know full well that God ordains that everything by his supernatural sovereignty. Every single second of our lives is in his hand. Even we, we who know that theoretically full well can practically live as if we are really in control. Your plan may be clear. I want to serve the Lord in ministry or perhaps the academy. So I go to PRTS. I get my degree. I have a good time while I'm at it. And then when I'm finished at PRTS, I'll get my degree. I'll say, thank you, goodbye. I'll land a position somewhere and do what I feel called to do. A seemingly straightforward and reasonable plan. And then along comes a hectic semester filled with assignment upon assignment and deadline upon deadline in which you are battling to stay afloat or difficult personal circumstances outside the classroom. And on top of all of this, and all of these things conspire to knock the wind out of your sails and bring you back to earth to the realization that man, Perhaps indeed it is true that if the Lord wills, I will finish my studies and serve in ministry or do this or do that. 
or those of you who are approaching the end of your studies without clarity about your future. You've come so far, but it's unclear what's next. And then the reality strikes you that your future is not in your own hands, but in the hands of the Lord. Or even if it is abundantly clear to you what you will be doing after PRTS, and you've already been headhunted for a position, and it almost seems as if the Red Sea of opportunity is just open to you, and you've encountered open door upon open door and opportunity after opportunity, even then, do not take it for granted. Because apart from God's hand keeping you alive and well at every single second, a thousand different calamities could befall you at any moment. And your very promising future and aspirations could be absolutely obliterated in the blink of an eye. And reflecting on this reality should breed in us humility. And humility, of course, is the remedy to prideful presumption. A humble recognition that we are not in our own hands, but are utterly reliant on our gracious Father to uphold us and determine our every step. And now it must be said that James is obviously not advising us against planning for the future. The Bible teaches us that a wise person is diligent in planning for the future and in earning a living. We read in Proverbs 6 famously, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Be like the ant. Plan wisely and diligently for your future and work hard to achieve those plans. Prepare well. Make strategic and beneficial connections while you are here. Put things in place that will serve you well in the future. Study hard. Use your time at PRTS and at your church that you're serving at right now to gain all the necessary training, experience, and exposure to serve the Lord well in future for whatever he's calling you to do. It is proper for a Christian to order her or his life to such ends, to plan for the coming years. Scripture commends this. But James is simply teaching us that even as we plan our futures and do in the present what is necessary to fulfill such plans, we should constantly and prayerfully submit our plans to the Lord's will and to his care. Because as Proverbs 19 verse 21 states, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And that is why James tells us to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. And therefore, as it so famously says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Commit what you are doing in the present to the Lord and what you do, plan to do in the future every day to the Lord in recognition that it ultimately all depends on his will. At the same time, I also think it's worth guarding against the overusing of this qualification if the Lord wills. I don't know about you, but I've seen people taking verse 15 so literally that they would say, if the Lord wills to virtually anything they do dozens of times a day. 
for example, I don't think it's particularly helpful to tell you, just quickly going to the bathroom if the Lord wills. Or I'm just quickly going to make a cup of coffee if the Lord wills. Would you, if the Lord wills, also like one? <laughs> if, if, if you say if the Lord wills each time you speak in the first person future, it can get tedious very quickly. But I don't think that's what the text is requiring of us or asking of us. Instead, the text is simply requiring us to adopt an attitude of humility and recognition of the sovereignty of God's will over our lives. That whatever we intend to do is entirely dependent on his providence. And as such, although there will indeed be times when it's very appropriate to say, if the Lord wills, this or that will be done. And we should do that. Nevertheless, uh, I think it's okay in general, if I was to say to my class, tomorrow we'll be looking at this particular text or this particular topic. Um, as long as we acknowledge in our hearts, if not with our lips, that tomorrow is not a given, but a gift that God may choose to give or not to give. At first, it may seem very scary to realize that we are not in control. But it's actually one of the most liberating things about the Christian faith. Because the one who is in control is a good, gracious, kind, all-wise, and loving God who, as Romans 8 so famously teaches and assures us, works together all things for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And therefore, as Paul writes to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In all your doings, whether in your studies, at home, in your present or future ministry, or whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and in the full knowledge that he is the one who makes it all possible. For a Christian, the fact that life is but a vapor that appeareth for little time, and then vanisheth away is not a discouragement. Instead, it provides us with proper perspective and spurs us on, knowing, as the missionary C.T. Studd said, famously, that there's only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so frail. We stand as nothing before you. And yet despite our nothingness and our unworthiness, you have dignified us to be your children who belong to you in and through your only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please teach us humility that we may constantly recognize that every passing second of our lives is a gift out of your fatherly hand. Help us to plan wisely for the future and work hard, all the while knowing that unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Thank you for the great liberty and comfort we may find, knowing that our futures are secure in your hands, and that even if our plans fail, yours won't. And now to you, our Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, be all the glory now and forever. Amen.